So good evening, and it really is the evening. Uh, Sarah and I are heading to Ireland next week, and so, of course, everything on my list has to be finished before we head away, making this a particularly hectic week. I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. Well, as I sit here recording this intro and outro to the podcast, I have a list as long as my arm. And on it, actually on it for a very long time, has been editing and publishing this particular episode, which has been sitting in its folder for, well, a couple of months. As when it comes to priorities, everything, and I mean everything, (laughs) seems to be urgent and important. That top right quadrant for those of you who are into your prioritization matrices. I'd like to say I am into my prioritization matrices, uh, but that would be probably a bit of a stretch, as honestly, more often than not, I get distracted. Anyway, how is your summer going? Or, I guess, winter, if you're in the southern hemisphere. It has been, for us at least, a slightly hectic one, uh, not least of which because my mum moved into the village, which is a wonderful thing. I'm absolutely thrilled that she's down here now, uh, having moved out of our family home in North Wales, which was a few hours drive away. Uh, she's moved down into the village, but that has been a huge, a huge effort, if I'm honest. And that's particularly fallen on Sarah, who has worked tirelessly to help make it a smooth transition or as smooth as it can be from a very large space in North Wales to a much smaller one in Southern England. And on top of that, Our son Jake has been working with the English Cricket Board for the year and if you're at all interested in the sport you'll have noticed, maybe not, that uh, the England-Australia Test Series or the Ashes has been going on all year and with Jake working at ECB, well, the whole family has been entirely distracted by, well, cricket. That's unusual for us, I mean, that's the whole family. Um, we've never really paid that much attention to the game, if I'm honest. I mean, as much as Jake's always played, so we've always got half an eye on it. But this year, it really has become a thing that has hooked the entire family. Even Harriet has joined a team in her local, ti- uh, local town. And not only that, but according to Jake, at least, is proving to be pretty good. Even he was impressed. And I say those words like they're, they're, you know, they just trip off my tongue, but to have your siblings impressed with each other is no mean feat, uh, particularly when it comes to cricket. Uh, Work-wise, these past couple of months have been particularly hectic with portraits and headshots, which are my favourite thing to do. Even today, we had a call from someone who, and this is one of those days, just when I thought I've got too much to do, we had a phone call from a really lovely client of ours who we photographed before, and she said, I'm in the hairdressers right now, I look amazing, can I come and have some headshots? Because I've needed them for ages and I'm thinking this would be a really good moment. So, of course, we've <laughs> we danced the diary around a little bit uh, and squeezed her in. And that now is also on my list to finish before I go or we go to Ireland. Uh, but it's still, it is such a lovely thing to do. Uh, weddings, well, we've had a steady stream of them, but the weather has not been kind. I really have had my fill of wet weddings for this season. Frankly, bleh. 
And if that wasn't all enough, uh, we're also midway through the British Institute of Professional Photographers International Print Competition judging. (laughs) Doesn't that just trip off the tongue? The British Institute of Professional Photographers International Print Competition judging. Mouthful. Uh, No matter how difficult it is to say, I absolutely love being a part of it. As chair of judges, of course, it's such a thrill to see all of the entries coming in. And I cannot wait till we get to the final round of judging the prints, which is happening in a couple of weeks. It is, again, a lot of hard work, though. And as usual, an awful lot of that falls to Sarah, who is she's brilliant because she never lets me miss anything. No tick boxes unticked. And she has worked so many hours making sure that we have the right judges. Everyone said yes. Um, we're judging and we're booking judges up now until next year for things like print competitions, for things like qualifications. And it's Sarah who's taken all of that on quietly behind the scenes, making sure that everything gets done. And I've done everything I'm supposed to have as well. Uh, in other words, in other news, rather, uh, we have now announced a few dates for workshops which are coming up over the next month or two. Uh, Sarah and I will be running a couple of workshops for the Guild of Photographers Photo Hubs events. Uh, the first is off-camera flash. Um, so that's all the techniques, little tricks, tips uh, of getting your camera away from your flash gun using interesting light and uh, maybe using light as a supporting light, maybe using light as your key light, but lots of ways of using off-camera flash. Uh, and that will be in Oxford on the 10th of September. September, uh, and then we're doing a second one on behalf of the Guild, which is a little bit further afield. It's in Peebles in Scotland, and that will be on the 28th of September. And the second one is, I just said that, it's all about available light. I don't know if I just said that. Uh, these are both half day workshops, and they are for between eight to ten delegates. So they're still pretty small, not quite as small as the ones we run here uh, at the studio. And on that note, we also have some of our full day workshops coming up at the studio. So on the 11th of September, that's the day after uh, we're running the uh, photo hubs for the Guild. On the 10th, on the 11th of September, it's Mastering Dog Photography, uh, which is not just about shooting, photographing, lighting, posing, controlling dogs and their owners, uh, so that'll be the morning, but in the afternoon, we're going to go through the photoshopping and some of the techniques uh, to actually really, to really, really, really bring your images uh, to life so that you can make good sales, really, really good sales, but also create really stunningly beautiful images while you're at it. Uh, then on the 9th of October, it's about mastering personal branding, uh, which is headshots, the way people want to be, it's basically about photographing people so that they portray themselves the way they want to be portrayed you know whether it's ceos chairs of boards scientists musicians authors just everyday people it's how it's how to photograph people so that they look the way they'd like to uh, and they portray a brand and remember the thing about all of this stuff when you get to personal branding is you are selling a message and it's all about that lighting it posing it working with the client understanding what you're doing Uh, so that's on the 9th of October and then on the 23rd of October it's mastering available light which is (laughs) slightly ironic that we're doing it in the autumn as the light levels start to fade 
uh, but that's all about using whatever light is around and about with as few uh, tricks and reflectors and things as humanly possible. Uh, in fact, on most of those courses, I've not used the reflector at all. Uh, so that's the 23rd of October. Uh, now, I know no one is thinking quite so far ahead as January, but we will be at the Society's Convention in 2024. Uh, we'll be running a super class on headshots and personal branding and a masterclass on very, very simple lighting setups for your studio. The kind of stuff you can get rolling with right out the gate with just a light or two, but still creating stunning images. Now, for those ones, uh, just look out for a lot more promo uh, as we head in towards Christmas. As for the others, I will put links um, for you into the show notes for the uh, Guild and for our own workshops here as at the studio. Also, uh, a shameless plug. This is for the two magazines I write for regularly. Uh, Photo for our column on business stuff and Professional Photo Magazine, where every month we literally pull an image or I literally pull an image apart. I talk about the client, the job, the image, the processing, some of the inspiration, some of the reasons why you do things the way you do. Uh, so it's a, it's a really, it's a really, oh, well, I think it is anyway. It's a really lovely article I get to write every month. You can pick up copies of both of these. They're physical magazines. Uh, you can pick up both of, of these in your local newsagent. Right. So back to the interview. So this interview is with a good friend of ours, Simon Shirley, who is an incredible Toastmaster and a thoroughly lovely human being. So Simon and I regularly end up working together at weddings and then chatting over a bit of food in the gaps in between. Uh, and during one particular event, one particular wedding, uh, I, I nearly said recently, but it's actually a few months ago now, we thought it would be fun to have a chat about customer service and taking the things or some of the things we've learned in our previous corporate jobs, yes, both of us came out of the corporate world, uh, and how we've applied some of it to the wedding industry. As you'll hear, uh, we actually recorded this just a day or two after a very lively wedding that we had both worked at that bordered on, <laughs> it bordered on crowd control as much as it did wedding coordination. And it's always intriguing to view the same wedding but through a different set of eyes as I think you get to see some of the things that we have in common but also some of the things where we might approach it differently or we might bring different skills to exactly the same scenario. So for background uh, for this wedding um, I had asked Simon right at the beginning of the wedding to give me a bit of a hand bringing each group so for the group photos bringing the groups together uh, for for the photographs as our list was really very long time was very short and the crowd was both very lively and very plentiful now we pick up the conversation almost mid-sentence uh, I'm afraid I kind of slid into the recording big note to self make it a more formal start it would be easier uh, and we were already more or less dissecting the previous day and at this particular moment had been laughing about me my ladder and keeping a rowdy group of wedding guests entertained. Um, you did you did it particularly well on Saturday in terms of engaging the audience, the the the, the audience. What were they? Um, the, the guests. The guests. Yeah. Engaging the. I guests. love the fact that we think of it as an audience. Well, but we are we are performers. <laughs> we are performers, so they are they are our audience, aren't they? But um, but actually, I watched you, and 
from your ladders, your step ladders, the first thing you did, rather than say, right, I'm going to take a photograph, can you all squeeze in, can you this, was actually you spent 30, 60 seconds just talking to them, engaging them and getting them on side and being humorous in the way that you did it. And then when you said, actually, those of you who want side, could you squeeze in a bit? And can we have the little child at the front here? Again, you'd, you, you were harnessing the goodwill because yeah. you had invested 30, 45, 60 seconds in, um, in, in getting the goodwill, in effect. And then when you asked them, could you do this? And madam, would you mind just squeezing in there, going between? They obliged yeah. because you, you had got them on side. <laughs> um, and watching you on the stepladder, talking to them, 30, 40, 60 seconds, whatever it was, and then requesting them to do what you wanted them to do to enable you to take the photograph um, was really, really easy. But I think it helped from the fact that you had, you didn't have to raise your voice particularly, and you had the height of the ladder. The height and helps. you did it very, very well. Yeah. But what you didn't know was that within the first few photographs, and what I was going to say, actually, I think it's um, Sarah had put the photographs, you said there was quite a, there was quite a long list. Yeah. Of photographs, and they, for reasons that we don't need to go into, they, it was relatively complex. Yeah. Um, Sarah had put the list. I remember asking you, is, "Are we going to go with the order? It looks quite sensible." And you said, "Sarah will always try and put them yeah. in an it's, order it's, that it's Michelle that does the planning." It's Michelle, here. is it? Sorry, but, um, but yeah. So we've. We, it wasn't a perfect order, but it's reason. It's like Towers of Hanoi. How how few moves can you do this mm -hmm. lot in? And we sit and we go through it, and we actually do a little shuffle. And we play it out as if, yep. okay, <laughs> how do I do this with as few moving parts as possible? Yep. And it's, it's back to goodwill. But it really helps. Yeah. It's a really simple thing, as, as so many things are. It's really simple. But the fact that you had thought about it, and Michelle had thought about it, and you obviously do this for, for other weddings as well, um, just made it a bit easier. Um, and what I do when I talk to the couple before the wedding is I say, are you able please to give me one person on each of your respective families yeah, yeah, yeah. who knows. knows most people <laughs> so that if i need auntie yeah. doris for a photograph i can say yeah. oh um you know might, it might be one of the siblings or one ideally not one of the parents because they tend to be in a lot of the earlier photographs but but you know quite often it will be a sibling or a best mate or someone who knows most people and if i need auntie doris i can say oh can you point out auntie doris please because we need her for this photo oh actually over there fine and either I'll go and get it or I'll say, would you mind, you know, just going and asking her to come and join us? But what you weren't aware of on Saturday, for better or for worse, I'll, I'll be honest about it now, is when we started off doing the photographs, they had one with um, uh, bride and groom, best man, yeah. maid of honor, yeah. bridesmaids, groomsman. Yeah. That was it. And I said, right, because it's easy to do, because... You're looking through the lens, concentrating on what you're looking at and the photograph you're taking. And I am trying to sort of make sure they get the photographs that are on the list. What you weren't aware of is that I then said, okay, if we can have all the gentlemen to one side, just stay there for me for a second, bridesmaids and the couple. And then we did her, the, the bride with her yep. maid of honor. Yep. And then I said, ladies, if you step to one side, couple stay there, get the gents back in. And within, I don't know, two or three minutes, we'd actually got other combination of photographs that, that weren't on the list. But actually, hopefully when you see them, and they will appreciate the fact that uh, she's got the two of them with just her bridesmaids yep. as well, and her with the bridesmaids and the maid of honor, and the same for the, the gentleman. Well, we'll see. <laughs> They'll be back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, well I'll let you know. they, they've got I'll some extra photographs there. Um, and the other thing I try, I try no, my role is to try and 
assist everybody as much as I possibly can and make everybody's life easier and as well as making it you know the event flow as we talked about Paul but um from my previous life um for, for a while I, I used to go out on um on film shoots yeah um for yeah it may have been for corporate shoots or for television or whatever but a lot of them were interviews and I would go out sometimes as a sound recordist so once I put a mic on, or if I'm holding a boom, I'm holding the boom. I'm, I have nothing I'm else. I'm suddenly really relieved that we're using two really good microphones <laughs> properly we placed. We had that conversation earlier, didn't we? When I, yeah, said that, I, I didn't realise that was part of your role. Um, I, I had a lot of time to just, just stand. Hmm. And the cameraman in those days was akin to you now. He's looking yeah. through a viewfinder. And he's concentrating on what's in the viewfinder. I can look at other things, and it might be sort of, you know, macro things in in the wider environment that are going on, or it might be micro things like, for example, on Saturday, um, somebody's tie isn't straight, yeah. or they've got their mobile phone in their hand, or worse that, in their that pocket. lovely suit, the, yeah, something sticking out of the pocket, or the <laughs> flap not being down, which I gave up with in the end. We did. Oh man, we, what was uh, going on with that pocket? But but they were lovely suits, and he had yeah. the 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 the, gen, the the gentleman's the the men's suits had double pockets yeah. each side. And one of them, the flap was tucked in, and it was just a real shame because it was it was front of the photograph. Yeah. I could look at things like that on a micro level because I'm just standing there waiting for you to take the photograph. Yeah. So I do often try, you know, I will interrupt if I feel it's appropriate and say, "Hang on, just." Do you a ever second. get a photographer push back? I can't say no. I'm just trying to think of any examples. Very rarely, right? But I try to do it in an unobtrusive way. And, and I try and explain what I'm doing. And I'll say, hang on just a second, Mr. or Mrs. Photographer. I'm just going to, you know, um, you know father of the bride, your, your tie's all squiffy. Would you just, you know, and someone will look, normally look around and go, oh, John, come on, come on, come on, you know. And, and, yeah. But it, it, and I appreciate it might be a small detail. And quite often it might be something that can be corrected with Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> but if you haven't got to correct it with Photoshop, it's just one less thing to do, isn't it? Photoshop, damn it. Hmm. <laughs> And yeah. so I, I hope that what I'm doing is, is helpful. And well, it is for me because I work on my own. Hmm. Um, but I'm guessing that you know there are photographers out there would. Well, just it's a broad, it's a broad brush. Our industry. It, it, it is very interesting watching photographers work. Different photographers because there are photographers who will spend quite a long time before each photograph or before some of the photographs. Making sure that larger people are at the back, smaller people are at the front. That, you know, the, the people are standing in the gaps between the heads of the people mm -hmm. in front of them. That kind of things. And sometimes I might chip in and say, "Oh, do you realise in the background there is that, or this person? You know, do you want me to suggest that they?" And they go, "No, no, I don't care." And other photographers obviously do care, or it's more important to them because they will then spend quite a lot of time. So it, and there is a balance yeah. because sometimes. I will be standing there thinking, for goodness sake, just get on with this because yeah. either we're going to lose the children or mm -hmm. we're going to lose you know, yeah. the, the guests or the weather's going to close in. Yeah. And other times I think, do you know what? You are the one that they've chosen to take their photographs because yeah, that's, I'm uh, guessing uh, they look at your that, photographs yeah. and whatever it is in them, and it might be this, it might <laughs> yeah. be this attention whatever to detail, they, they, they like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. My market is, is laughter, definitely laughter, mostly laughter. Mm -hmm. Um. But you still you have to get the shot right, but atmospherics for me. So that, I mean, the confetti mm. shot that we evade, I've I've seen I've been through it on the back of camera just to double check because it terrifies me. I mean, you 
you literally point a camera into the chaos. You have one go at it. You have one go at it. Well, you, you yeah, know, at 20 frames a second, you have one yeah, go yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's glorious. The look on everybody's faces, is, it worked perfectly on Saturday. Good. Um, so moving aside slightly, so we, we've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about the performance aspect, personality side, but of course, coming back to making a success out of jumping from corporate, um, the two angles I think I wanted to explore were about business mm-hmm. and about the business of selling yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when I came out of corporate, good at business, selling myself was not my core skill. I had other people sell me. I you know, worked for a big corporate. I was sold in as a consultant, but I didn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Now, I, was, I obviously had to be able to hold my own in a boardroom, but other than that, selling myself wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. For you in a media company, I'm guessing selling yourself was higher up the list than it would have been for me. Selling, you, you selling owned, us. Selling, yeah, our, that's selling our business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you, you, you could, you'd have to walk into a client and say, this is what we do. And and this that's is what I was it. in charge of. So how important do you think those two aspects are? And if those two aspects are not your core strengths, how do you build them? Okay. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I send, like the fact that send, send I've asked a series of questions where you've gone, oh, okay. okay. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to formulate an answer <laughs> and also trying to think of a, of a straight path through rather than going off on a, on a tangent. Um, when I started out on my own, having left the, the, the kind of, the, as you describe it, the corporate world, um, I went from a business that was entrepreneurial in that we employed people to do what we used to do when we started out. And people came to myself and my business partner for us to perform the function that they were buying for them. We then had to, we made a conscious decision that if we were to grow the business, we had to what's kind of euphemistically called in sort of in, in business circles, uh, take the helicopter view. You have to rise above the business. Blue sky thinking. Yes, I was just going to say that. 10,000 foot view. And these are blue sky thinking because at the end of the day. (laughs) um, There's hairs coming up on the back of my neck. But the helicopter view is actually quite a good way of of doing it. It's rising above the sort of the (laughs) day-to-day melee and trying to sort of take a more more holistic approach and seeing the bigger picture. Seeing the bigger picture is really what it's about. And I think if you, if if one is able to, to... take a step back, which is what my business partner and I decided to do, and employ people to do what we had been doing, we could grow the business, but we had to, rather than selling ourselves, sell the people that we had employed to be front-facing and to perform the role of of editing and doing the audio mixing and so on and so forth. Um, But I think that what um, I I want, (laughs) I think it's quite interesting this, I think, I hope it is, I once read an article um, where a, a business leader was interviewed and the, the, the question was, it was in Director Magazine, for the, which is the monthly mm-hmm. magazine of the Institute of Directors, yeah. of which I was a member for a while. And um, one of the questions was, what is your time management tip? And, and I've never forgotten his, an- his answer. I don't think it's just a time management tip. I just think it's a way of running really really successful business but i use it in everyday life as well and the tip was really simple employ people who are better than you and let them get on with it and actually 
the key point is let them get on with it. Don't micromanage them. But actually, I I use that in my everyday life. If I want to, if I want to paint my hallway, do you know what? I could go and buy the paint. I've got some ladders. I've got some brushes somewhere in the garage. I could paint it myself. It won't be very good, and it will take me an awful long time. And all I will see is the bits that I didn't get right. Yep. It's much, much more time efficient and ultimately cost efficient for me to go out and do what I enjoy doing and earn some money and pay a painter and decorator to choose the materials to come in and do it for me. He'll do it in half the time. It will be better. I'll look at it and think, this is fantastic. I will have enjoyed my two days going out and doing what I enjoy doing. And he will you know, earn some money doing what he does well. Yeah. But how did you make the jump from selling other people to selling yourself? Actually, very easily, because what I do in my small proprietarial business now is not even, and I, I had, I hope, I had business skills that I had learned about marketing and selling a business and promoting myself and advertising. Ultimately, what I do isn't even good, particularly good business practice. It, it's just common courtesy. Yeah. What I do and what I attempt to do, more than attempt to do, what I ensure that I do, is just do what I say I will do when I say I will do it. I charge, I think, a fair day's pay. I, I, I earn a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. Mm -hmm. But actually, if somebody rings me up and says, um, oh, you've been recommended or I've seen your advert, um, I'm interested in booking your services, you know, would you give me a call back? I can't tell you, Paul, how many times I call back that evening or the next day, and they say, oh, thank you so much for calling. <laughs> yes. Why wouldn't I call back? You were good enough to ring me and leave a message saying that you would like to give me some work and give me some money. The least I can do is ring back. Even if I'm not able to do the, the work, or I don't want to do the work, or I don't have time to do what you're asking me to do, the least I can do is ring back and say, I'm really sorry. Thank you for calling. Um, I can't help you. I, you know, I haven't got time, I haven't got the inclination, whatever it may be, dress it up in whatever way. But um, I may be able to recommend somebody that can. But at least if you call back, you've left them with a good feeling. Yeah. And it might be that you can't help them this time or you haven't got the time. But in months or years to come, they come back to you because they think, well, you know, he, he bothered to ring me back. He sounded like a halfway decent chap on the phone. Um, I've now got a job. And you think, actually, do you know what? Thank you. So I, I can do that. I will do that. I would like to do that. So. Most of the time, Paul, it, it's not even good business practice. It's just common courtesy. Do you Bring people back. Go the extra mile. Um, excuse me a second. Um, be respectful to people. Just turn up when you say you will. If, if, if somebody rings me and says, would you come and give me a quote for doing this particular role? And I think, actually, yeah, okay. I'll come around after work on Friday at five o'clock. Go around Friday at five o'clock. If you can't go around because something happens, just ring them and say, I'm really sorry, somebody's cropped up. Can I come around at six o'clock or can we make it you know, one day next week? And if you keep people informed, and it's, a, it's actually linking back into the, the, the Toastmaster role and the, 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 um, the things we talked about earlier, it's just letting people know where to be, when to be there, how to get there. If I can't make something, a meeting or something I've agreed to, just let people know. And it's really not difficult. And as long as people know, they're quite happy. But so many times, so many times, I have conversations with potential clients of mine who say, 
oh, uh, you know, so-and-so came around to give me a quote. And um, then he said he said he or she would get back to me. Never heard anything else. That's why I'm talking to you now. And it's not only rude, but it's very, very poor business practice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so many stories I mm. could tell. Not yeah. going to do it, but there are so many stories I could tell. So in answer to your question about how did you sell yourself when you made the leap, I hope that actually, <laughs> by default, I sold myself by just, say sold myself, by promote, <laughs> promoted myself, yeah, yeah. pimped myself out. S sold um, your soul. I promoted myself by just just being honest and reliable and, and decent. And it's, it's, it's really not difficult. Yeah, well... You say it's really not difficult for someone who's it's not their natural skill set. It is something they have to learn mm -hmm. in the same way that, you know, as photographers, we learn how to use cameras or mm -hmm. microphones or whatever it is we're working. I, I kind of roll in towards the end of, of a conversation. Um, I don't think directly I've hit on this. I mean, we've talked about how you and I work, but if there was, if you could distill out um, a a quality or something that the people you've watched work at weddings and I don't, you mm -hmm. know obviously I'm specifically interested in photographers mm -hmm. but you know we were working with a band uh, the weekend of course florists and caterers and all of those people are part and mm -hmm. intrinsic to it um, there was a photo booth there a very nice lady turned up magician a magician he was there working the room hotel staff the whole thing but if you could obviously I am biased yes. towards the photography aspect of, of it. And of course, Absolutely. we're a big part of a day. But if, if there was a quality that you've seen in successful wedding suppliers that you could distill out, what would it be? What's something that just, you know, every time you see a good supplier, it's like, oh, yeah, of course he's doing that because that's what works. Engage with everyone, Paul. I think good suppliers, whoever they are, engage not only with the couple, that's very important, but with the guests, also the other suppliers. Yeah. Now, another supplier, I may be one of those other suppliers and I will try and engage with them. But the, the, a supplier obviously needs to be good at what they are being employed to do. But if you take that as a given, then it's engagement. I think it, it is, it's engaging and getting people on side and being personable and, and also being, to use a business term, client-focused. But actually, on a more human level, just being interested in giving yeah. and the, the, your clients, who are generally speaking going to be the bride and groom on a, a wedding day, just giving them your time and attention and being focused on that and enabling, enabling them to have the, the, best, the best day they possibly can, which is what we're all there for. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Um, I'm always surprised at the people who don't engage. It happens, um, as we know. But it's a balancing act because there's a, there's a, I've seen a few photographers advertise themselves as, I will be a guest at your wedding. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, you should certainly blend in and you should certainly mill around and be friendly with everybody, but you're not a guest. Um, I always think that's an interesting angle. Uh, but yeah, the other tip, I, I remember, I can't remember where I read it, but I remember reading it. And it's something I do naturally, and I think you do too, is you don't just go and say thank you and goodbye to the bride and groom. I go and hunt down the parents and make yep. sure that they're, they've got everything they need and say goodbye. And it's been a pleasure. And that's exactly what I did uh, at the weekend. Absolutely. Me and then, too. And then, West, and then went, 
went and rescued the fireworks guy because he got a flat battery. <laughs> stuck it stuck in the middle of a field. Stuck in the middle of a field, and yes. I had probably the only vehicle that could have got to it. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> but I don't know if you noticed on Saturday, but during the speeches, um, I was standing with my back to the windows of the, the yep. room that we were in, and I'd made a point of looking after the magician, organizing some mm -hmm. food for him because he was doing table magic yeah. during the meal, so he couldn't stop. And um, Rob, the, uh, the the food and beverage manager uh, at the venue, had brought a meal out for him, and he said, "I'll put it back in the oven, and we'll keep it warm for him." And I made a point at the before the speeches of saying to the magician, uh, "Rob, over there, he's got your food warm," um, because he had quite a long journey to go. Yeah. He had to go back to London. He had yeah, a two yeah. hour two hour journey. Um, and as he was leaving, and we were in the middle of the speeches, there was a tap on the window behind me, and I, I looked around. And he was there giving me a thumbs up and sort of waving and saying, thank you very much. Yeah. And, and yeah, that, yeah. that's how it works, isn't it? We all interact with each other and you know, look after each other. And hopefully that's what creates not only the, the nice atmosphere we want to create for the day for the couple, but it also enables us to run the event yeah. to time and get yeah. everything that we are respectively employed to do done to the best, the best of our abilities. So we boiled it down to communication and relationships. Funny that. <laughs> and I guess that is why you and I are sitting here yeah. today talking to each yeah. other, chatting to each other, because we have developed a relationship working together. And hopefully, hopefully Saturday was an example of that, that we got everything done yeah. with some good humor in good time. And Man, I'm sure you had the same I, as me. At I the run end of the to day. time. It's my biggest bugbear. I run to time. Chefs have knives. You know, that's what <laughs> chefs well, have knives. I run to time. I, I ultimately, I only have one job to do, and that is to run the yeah. event to time. But it isn't just running it to time. It, it, it isn't a military operation. You and I know yeah. that we we you we can't will, always. We will always have, well, both have worked with couples who, particularly, you know, often it will be the the, the bride who has created a a schedule. And everything will be to the minute. And I make a point That's of saying, well. thank you very much. Thanks yeah. for the schedule. It's, it's really helpful. Um, it, you know, I'm just going to let you know now that it probably won't run to the minute, but it gives me a feel for yeah. how you want things to, yeah. to run. But we will ebb and flow a bit, but I will make sure that the key points are adhered to. And ultimately, we will be guided by how the day goes and we have you know specific points to hit, such as, sitting down for the meal, such as, you know, your band, you know, their first set is at eight o'clock. Well, let's try and, you know, hit those points. Other than that, just relax. My job is to, yeah, to run right. it to time yeah. and to run it to time with good humor and, and to make sure it, it's as much about making sure the day or the event flows yeah. as much as hitting specific, you know, yeah. to the minute timings, isn't but it's it? It's always kitchen. It's always kitchen. I just, I want the food to go out. Exactly as the chefs wanted it. Exactly right. And it's it's a little bit of a it's a hidden thing, but I know the chefs. I work with chefs, mm. and that's you know. But in the end, all weddings, if the bride and groom are having a good day, everybody will have a good day. But very often, Paul, I I, I try to make a point of saying thank you to the hotel staff, and I will say uh, maybe at, at, after the meal, um, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully you feel you have been well looked after today and you've enjoyed your meals. Um. This is X, Y, Z, and the staff of the hotel who've looked after you today. Would you like to join me and just, you know, give them a round of applause yeah. to say thank you? But very often, I would have said, you know, would Chef like to come out as well? And nine times, nine and a half times out of ten, 
the chef says no thank you i'll you know i'll, I'll stay in the kitchen <laughs> it's true hmm. it's true i do work, i do work a few venues where the chefs are they do come out hmm. but uh anyway on that happy note thank you for your time you are very welcome. Uh, I hope I, I hope people found that interesting. I think they will. I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun, as always. Yes. You know, it it's, fun, it's funny how careful the two of us have danced around a conversation. <laughs> there's there's so many stories each of us could tell yep. uh, after our respective ale or whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the end, the core thing that runs through both of us, I think, is a love of our clients. Um, and I don't think you can overstate how important that is. We talk about skills and we talk about business. But genuinely, you and I both love our clients and mm-hmm. essentially what they do for us, which is keep bread on the table. Absolutely. And how <laughs> gratifying is it at the end of the day to go and say goodbye and they throw their arms around you yep. and say, thank you so much for today. We yeah. couldn't have done it without you. And they could have done it without us, but it would yeah. have maybe not been quite as relaxed and enjoyable for them. On Saturday, I got hugged by a groomsman. Didn't <laughs> see that coming. A lot of fun. <laughs> anyway, what a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Paul. So thank you for listening to the end of the podcast. Uh, It's greatly appreciated to know at least a few of you are still here. If you've enjoyed the podcast and I hope you found it at least a little bit useful, uh, a little bit of insight into uh, what goes on behind the scenes, maybe at weddings, please do subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast right now. Hit the subscribe button and then as if by magic will appear on your gadget Uh, as soon as I publish a new episode, which has been, I admit, ever so slightly sporadic this year. Uh, The links to the workshops, I will put those in the show notes. And don't forget, you can always head over to masteringportraitphotography.com, which is the home of this uh, podcast, but also has a ton of resources on the business, the artistry and the passion of portrait photography. But until next time, whatever else you do, be kind to yourself. Take care.